the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thanks for joining me this morning. I'm taking a week off. We're airing some interesting reruns this week. I'll be back live this coming Monday, January 3rd. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, December the 14th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. We won't be saying 2021 very long unless we slip and forget that it's 2022, very soon, just a few days, as a matter of fact. Today, on December 14th, 2020, the Electoral College confirmed Joe Biden as the nation's next president. Many, to this day, believe that he was not duly elected, but that there was some some things going on in the election process. And anyone who thinks that out loud is castigated by the press, including the fact that Biden was declared, confirmed by the Electoral College to be the next president of the United States. Associated Press this morning did a whole long attack on Trump, needlessly, except they just had to do it. And they went through detail by detail by detail of how he tried to contest it, tried to overthrow the will of the people, and on and on and on. So it goes in today's America. Today in 1799, George Washington, he died at his Mount Vernon, Virginia home. He was 67 years old. Today in 1819, Alabama joined the Union as the 22nd state. Today in 1911, Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen and his team, I think he had about four guys with him. They became the first men to reach the four or five, the first men to reach the South Pole. They beat out a British expedition led by Robert Scott. Today in 2008, an Iraqi broadcast journalist, his name uh, was Al Zaid or Zaidi, Zaidi, I think it was. He he got so upset at. United States President George W. Bush in this press conference in Baghdad. He got so angry, he took off his shoe and he threw it at Bush while he was on live television. And George W. Bush saw it coming and he ducked and it missed him. And Bush was kind of laughing. I mean, that's not what a president expects in a press conference. But um, anyway, this guy threw the shoe at him. Well, he was still angry, so he takes off his other shoe And he throws that at George W. Bush, and George W. Bush ducked again down behind the lectern thing they were standing at. And so this guy took two shots with his shoes at uh, Bush. Unfortunately, he didn't have three legs, so he didn't have another shoe to throw. But anyway, that was quite a scene. And uh, I, I would suspect the guy didn't like Bush. He probably didn't like the United States either. But that happened today in 2008. Today in 2012, a gunman killed 20 first graders, six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. Then he took his own life as the police arrived on the scene. 
He was 20 years old. He had fatally shot his mother at their home before he came to the school to carry out the attack on the kids and educators. It was a very, very sad moment. You probably remember it well. That was today in 2012. And one year ago today, the owner of the Cleveland Indians, the baseball team, they he said he's going to drop the name of the baseball team that they had used since 1915, the Cleveland Indians. The reason he said he was doing this is because Indians was no longer acceptable in our world. He said the team will still be known as the Indians through the 2021 season. That just concluded with the World Series in October. But he said the new name, the Guardians, that'll take effect the next season, which will be this spring when they go to spring training. They will no longer be the Cleveland Indians. They'll be the Cleveland Guardians. That's more socially acceptable in today's world. I want to talk a little bit today about some things that are no longer acceptable in our world and the fountain of that whole nonsense is in public education. I want to tell you something that's going on in public education and I think part of it you will know but I'm bringing you up to date on some things that just it's almost unbelievable but it's happening as we speak. I got this note from someone who sent a contribution in just in the last few days. It says, Dear Gary, we really appreciate enjoy and enjoy your history lessons each day, as well as the rest of it. Thank you. Um, a lot of people send notes that they like to hear what happened today in history, but sometimes people send notes and they say, why do you do that? We don't care about what happened in the past. Just spend more time talking about what's going on today. Well, we try to balance that, and we don't actually spend a lot of time on that what happened in history today, but you'd be surprised if, if if it's a bother to you. You'd be surprised how many people write notes, I mean, regularly, and say they really like it. But the reason I do that is to give it um, a context. If we, if we understand history, we much better understand what's happening today. Ultimately, our understanding, our, our wisdom, comes from the Lord, from the Word of God. But if we understand history, we have a better understanding of what's happening today in our world, and we can put it in a context that is very meaningful. And God would have his people to be informed. And that's what we try to do here on this program to the best of our ability every day. And um, we do so in the context, often, of history. This is happening because this happened last year, last decade, in the last century, Things have consequences. We live in a world today where consequences don't count. There is no credence given to the consequence of an action. If it's what I feel I should do, if it's what I feel like I want to do, I will do it. You know, forget about the consequences. It's not even part of the discussion. And we are beginning to reap the consequences of that kind of thinking. And that's what's happening in our culture today. So I'll come back to that in a moment. The psalmist clearly had gone through some difficult times. And he writes in Psalm 30, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. 
Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall not be moved. Verse 8 says, I cried unto thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. And verse 10 says, O hear, hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be my helper. Verse 11 says, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. And verse 12 says, To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thee thanks. I will give thanks unto thee forever. Thus says the Lord, and that is the most important thing that we ever have to say on this program, the word of the Lord. Thank you for your support of this ministry. We wouldn't be here without it. And I say that often, and I always get a smile from many of you in the audience because you comment on it. But uh, and some people will laughingly comment on it to me in conversation. But uh, it's true. I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you so much for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You could also contribute on our website, faithandandfreedom.us, not .com, .us. You'll see a tab there. You can contribute online, and many are doing so. In fact, more people are doing that now, and whichever works for you is deeply appreciated. So thank you so much. Concerned parents, about 650 families, not people, but families. So that's at least twice that many, at least. 650 families in Loudoun County, Virginia. They staged a demonstration outside the local county public schools administration building yesterday. They were declaring that they have already or will be leaving the school district because of indoctrination rather than education in the classroom. I want to get into this a little bit today. Now, Loudoun County, Virginia will sound familiar if you listen to this program regularly or if you are just aware of the news. They've been in the news a lot because it's almost unbelievable. People across the nation can hardly believe the performance of that school board there. They're, they're, They're saying, they're not just inferring, they're saying that the children belong to them, not the parents. And the parents are ancillary to the kids. And the kids are ours, and we're going to train them, so help me God, and you're not going to stop us. I mean, that's kind of the attitude there. And the nation, it's caught caught the attention of the nation, thankfully, and I think some good is going to come out of this. I really do. But I want to keep you informed and keep us all informed of what's going on there and how that is, is rippling out across the nation. It isn't just in Virginia. I want to talk to you a little bit about California and some other places as well as education because it touches almost every single family in America in one way or another, your kids, your grandkids, whatever. So it is deeply important that we understand what's happening because it's one of the most most deeply rooted institutions that we have in America. 
So the loss of this number of students, 650 families, the loss of that number of students will greatly impact the amount of money available to that district. I mean, it's based on headcount. But the district is soldiering on. They're saying, oh, no, we're not going to change. They're, they're carrying on. And it's not isolated, as I said. To offset failing grades in California, some of California's largest school districts announced this week that they are eliminating the grades D and F. <laughs> Why did they do that when I was in school? No. But they're eliminating the grades D and F so they can kids can feel better about themselves. Public edu- education in America is in a free fall. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable, at least to me and I think to others. But parents are asking the public schools a very simple request. They're saying, will you please educate, not indoctrinate our children? This protest yesterday, as they put down these 650 pairs of shoes to symbolize that at least 600, and and the number is growing, at least 650 families are going to walk away from the school. And it's a growing number of students that are leaving the district. I'll tell you, I wrote an article on this today. There's a picture there, the front of the school, and all these pairs of shoes all over the place. But the demonstration was intended to show that the di- show the district that the parents are fed up with this, and they're they're not violent. They're not trying to revolt. They're just asking that their money, thousands of dollars of tax dollars each from each family is going toward this school, and they're just simply asking, will you please leave all the, the, the stuff aside, all of the woke kind of progressivism and racism theory and so on that you're teaching, and just educate our children in the basics, math, English, those kinds of things. I'll tell you, families are walking out, not only in Loudoun County public schools, but across the country. Education, public education as we know it, has done 180 degree from what uh, Noah Webster had in mind when he created it in the very early days of America. He was one of our founding fathers. But several organized groups now have been founded in this school district. And they parents have, are getting together. They're organizing. One of them is called Citizens for Freedom. It's demanding an increase in parental rights. And they're kind of focusing on the fact that the school has taken away the parental authority and parental rights. And they have. Parental rights, children's safety, medical freedom, an end to indoctrination. These are the kinds of things these parents are calling for. One mom, a member of a Citizens for Freedom group, she says that parents are increasingly looking for an alternative education options, and the district's push for critical race theory-inspired teachings. She said, we will not put our child in that school. She said, if the district does not respect our parental rights, focus on our children's safety, respect for our medical freedom, talking about shots, about vaccinations, and in-class indoctrination of our kids, we'll be forced to choose alternative means of education. And it puts a parent between a rock and a hard place because we're getting taxed like crazy for public education. If you look at your tax bill, it's mostly public education on property tax. But anyway, they are 
beginning to look and they're saying, we'll figure out a way. We will not continue like this. This Alicia Brand, she's a co-founder of another organization there in Virginia. They just are springing up. The parents are getting together and they're organizing. And she says the board is an activist board, the school board. And she is calling for increased focus on traditional school programs like reading and math. (laughs) She said, we have an activist school board steadfast in doing what they can do instead of what they should do. What they should do is focus on providing only the highest standards of education in reading, writing, arithmetic, history, science, and the arts, free of political ideology and private interest groups. But, you know, this has found its way into the very fabric of our education. Education Week, it's a, a journal, a periodical. It's, it's, I think it's, it, well, it is weekly, but it, they send out stuff even daily almost. I get their, their stuff. But Education Week is reporting that schools across the country are screening potential teachers now for their cultural competency, asking candidates, like, quote, what they've done personally or professionally to be more anti-racist. Is that the basis on which we should be hiring teachers? And yet all of the public school teachers that I know or have talked to recently say, man, their schools are struggling. They don't have enough faculty. They don't have enough teachers to even cover the classes. Teachers are quitting. They're walking away. They're sick and tired of it. They didn't get a shot, <clears throat> get a shot so they're going to lose their job or have or whatever. That is the question. What have you done personally and professionally to be more anti-racist? So the competency is in the, in the wokeness of a teacher, not their ability to teach the fundamentals that we used to call education. This Karen Rice Harris, she's chair of the American Association of School Personnel Administrators Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. <laughs> I won't say that again, but I, yeah, they actually have one of those. They have a lot of them, in fact. She says, ultimately, we're looking for people to serve. I hate it when they talk like this. It's so condescending. Ultimately, we're looking for people to serve our students. They're not her students. They're our children. And she is tasked, and all of the other teachers, they are tasked as employees of taxpayers to educate. That's the problem. They don't even know who the kids belong to. But anyway, she says, we're looking for people to serve our students. My key, my key questions are, can you teach these students even if they don't look like you? Man. Education Week reported that school districts are increasingly asking teacher candidates questions about cultural competency, how they honor the diversity of their students and their instruction and their curriculum. Given the emergence of critical race theory, and I've talked about that a lot on this program, as a major political issue, institutions that wish to implement it may refer to it by other means. They camouflage it in phrases like cultural, culturally responsive teaching. That's CRT. That's the same acronym. And every time you'll hear, or most, I don't know about every time, but almost every time, you'll hear if an if a educator is is trapped, is cornered, and they say, are you teaching critical race? No, we're not teaching. But they are. But they say they're not because they're just teaching its principles. They're not teaching it per se. Now they're coming up with these other names in schools, local schools, probably your school, wherever you live. 
culturally responsive teaching, CRT. They call it culturally competent or social emotional learning, anti-racist. Equity is a big word. Equity has replaced equality. Equality means we all have a fair shot at making something of our lives, at building a business, doing whatever we whatever we dream, whatever we want to do in life. America gives you that opportunity. That's what we're known for, is to come here and you have freedom and you have liberty and you have the ability to, to do something and become something. And the, the poor can become rich if they work hard and so on. I mean, that's what this is, country's been about, certainly about religious freedom. But now, oh no, they are dumbing down the brightest that we have, and they're lifting up the kids that aren't doing so well, and they're putting them into one little cookie-cutter container and saying, this is education. This is the person we want. That's what Stalin said. That's what Karl Marx said. That's what all of these despots said in their time on earth. And now our public education is striving for that kind of an outcome where everyone has the same outcome. If you're brilliant, if you're Einstein, we don't care. We just want everybody to know that two and two may not be four in today's wokeism. And if I have time, I'll get to what L.A. Is, uh, school district are doing in math now, in math. I don't know if I have time, but if I do, I'll get to that in a moment. But after the death of George Floyd, districts seem to be putting much more of a focus on how teaching applicants think and talk about race in the classroom. Understood. But House Democrats, along with the teachers' unions, are now demanding $305 billion in addition to what they've already gotten from the taxpayers in coronavirus aid. They're claiming that taxpayers' funds are necessary to adequately reopen public schools. Well, i got to be honest with you. I don't really care personally, and I understand if you don't agree, if they open public schools or not. I mean, they are, they're in free fall. This Lauren Daschle is founder and CEO of a teacher hiring software company. It's called Nimble, and they, a lot of schools contract them to find teachers for them. Well, Dashiell's Nimble is working on this uh, leveraging, here's what she calls it, she, leveraging artificial intelligence to help districts gauge candidates' cultural competence by their answers during the interview process on their application. One factor in hiring a teacher, Dashiell says, is the level to which a teacher believes learning is achieved in school, not at home. Isn't that interesting? They don't want kids learning at home. They want them only learning at school because they have created a, a, an environment where they can mold the minds and the hearts of our children to believe whatever they want them to believe. And in this case, I'm not saying every teacher. I have said this before. I'll say it again. Our daughter-in-law teaches in a public school. She is a light in the darkness. She's deeply committed to the Lord. She tells me a lot of stuff. But others that I know and that you know, and maybe some of you are teachers in public school, and I understand it's tough. I mean, there's challenges. And you know what I'm saying. I mean, you've seen some or all of what I'm talking about. You've seen it because it's there. It's not just isolated somewhere in Virginia or whatever. It's it's everywhere. There's this march to, to, to own our children 
And if you even challenge the fact that a school board or a school system doesn't own the kids, it's like, oh, no, there's one of those right wing. They probably voted for Trump or whatever. I mean, you're immediately marginalized. This Alex Mosman, he's uh, in the Indianapolis uh, school district. He's director of talent acquisition for the district in Indianapolis. He said of their hiring practice, he said, quote, we want hiring managers to have a baseline about where a candidate is starting from in terms of their mindset about race. And we want to be clear from the front end about our values as an organization. Now, Indianapolis, Indiana is generally seen as kind of conservative, but that's what he's saying. They, they're starting not with competency and teaching math and English and writing and those kinds of things. No, no, no. It starts with their ideas about race. Tony Kennett, he's also with the Indianapolis School. He's an administrator. He said last month, he kind of blew the whistle on critical race theory. They were going around like all, a lot of other school districts. say, no, we don't teach critical race theory. No, 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 we don't teach. But they do. So he, he came out publicly and said, yes, yes, we do. He's suggesting to all of our students who aren't black or brown that they're responsible. He said, our teachers, our curriculum is suggesting to all of our students who aren't black or brown that they're responsible for centuries of horrible oppression in the United States. He says every single class at Indianapolis Public Schools is founded on two strategic priorities. One is the official academic priority that they're supposed to be teaching. He said that we're all supposed to encourage. And he said the second is the racial equity priority, which sounds really great, but it actually pits our students against each other based on color. That's exactly what it does. It puts their fist in the face of Mark MLK, and they're running around wanting to build statues of MLK. I mean, they, they can't have it both ways. We love MLK. We hate MLK. We disagree with him. We agree with him. I mean, what is it? They don't know. Because truth has eluded us because of relativism. When we become our own truth, when we become the humanist little god that many of these people want to be, we are living in rebellion and resistance to Almighty God who was and is and forever shall be. And that's what's wrong in our culture today, and that's what's wrong in our society and in our education. California school districts are dropping the grades D and F. <laughs> yeah, Los Angeles School District, Santa Ana School District, Oakland Unified, Sacramento City Unified, other districts, yep, no longer. Students who don't ever finish the assignments or fail an exam, they'll just get an incomplete. It won't affect their grade at all. Proponents think it's a great idea. Everybody wins. Critics are blasting the plan. They're saying that all it does is lie about a student's progress. But there are a group of scientists, and I, I'm not going to have time to get into this. I thought maybe oh, there's so much here. But there's a group of scientists, and these guys are not right-wing. I mean, they're actually, some of them are so-called progressives, liberals. But so far... There are 471 signatures as of yesterday on this thing. And some of them are fields. They've won fields, medals and math and so on. They are coming out against all this, not on religious basis, but from an educational point of view. And we'll, we'll talk about that. I'll keep my notes on that. And we'll talk about it another time on this program because they're coming out and saying, yeah, we're not talking about religious freedom. We're not talking about any of this stuff. We're talking about competency. And they're saying America's going to go down the tube 
if we continue on this path. Thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.